0: This morning as we look at, we're going to be, we're gonna be uh, looking at our ser- sermon series through the book of Romans. Uh, I know you might have thought we were done with Romans, but I actually only got to f- uh, preach the beginning of chapter 15, and I felt like as I was finishing the year that I, just, I wanted to preach the whole, the whole book. And there's a little bit left in chapters 15 and 16, so you're going to hear two more sermons on Romans, and then we can feel like we got through the whole book together, uh, mostly last year and then into the new year. And as I was looking at it, what really moved me was looking at chapter 15, and in particular, thinking about this question for the new year, a question that I've been thinking about a lot, and it's this, what moves you? What moves you? There's all sorts of things that can move you. Could be a football team. Could be, uh, for me and my my boys right now, or me and Tristan, we've been watching the Harry Potter movies. Uh, Those have been moving us. We love a good story, a story uh, of of an unforeseen uh, savior who comes in and, and beats the bad guy. For some of us, what moves us is work what moves us is, is family or experience or adventure or, or 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 a really good meal what moves you? Would you just think about that for a second what moves you in the text that we're looking at today paul writes about what moves him And really, I believe it's what the whole book of Romans is about, the gospel. And I believe that we learn from Paul and with Paul about what should move us as a church. Because, you see, we live in a society that oftentimes tells us a very different story, a very different narrative about what should move us. You see, in our society, we are raised up to learn that individualism And identity and and who you are as a person, this is what moves the typical modern self. You've heard this message, you've felt this message, you've been raised in this message. You need to know, you need to be the best you. Or, I mean, just getting out of Christmas. Christmas. Living here in the West, consumerism and, and having the latest things and having the latest toys. This is what oftentimes moves you or oftentimes for me, at least in, in how I've been raised up in, in, here in, in comfort. Is what moves me is to be as comfortable and safe as possible. But for Paul... He's driven by something that's very different than the modern self. And I believe this is what should move us. What moves us is this. This is what I believe Paul was saying, that we are a communion of people centered upon the conviction that Jesus changes everything. This is what moves us. This is what moves us. You could write that down. This is what moves us. Oftentimes when I deliver a sermon, I wait till the end to make the main point. I'm not doing that today. Today, this is what moves us. Jesus changes everything. I believe that this is what moved Paul, and I believe that this is what moved the early church, and this is is, is what should continue to move you and me and the church of Jesus Christ Today, Now, maybe you're wondering, Logan, there's a bit of a typo. I think you mean a community of people. I think, you know, we're Cornerstone Community Church, but actually, we're having communion today, and I believe that the word communion here is really helpful. It's really helpful as we think about what moves us. Because I think as Paul is writing to the church and getting excited about what moves him, he is thinking about the communion that he has with people. Now, maybe you're asking, what does communion mean? What does communion mean? Is this working, Amador? There we go. Is it working? No, it's just a little slow. What does communion mean? mean. Now, typically when you hear the word communion, you probably just think of, well, we eat the bread and drink the cup, but this is much more than just something that the church does together. Communion, a definition, is the sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings, especially when the exchange is on a mental or spiritual level. It's more than just a casual relationship it says an intimate thoughts and feelings this sharing deeply of something especially on a spiritual level and on the flip side it's the service of Christian worship in which bread and wine are consecrated and share which we will do today I believe that Paul here is writing about what moves us and what moves us is the communion together the communion together centered on the conviction that Jesus changes everything. So if you can, would you turn with me to Romans chapter 15, and we're going to be reading or digging in to this final part of chapter 15 together. It says here in verses 18 and 19, Paul's writing, he just got out of the call to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you, and he says this, he says, for I will not venture to speak of Notice this, look at this, anything, except what Christ has accomplished. Except what Christ has accomplished. What's he saying here is the main thing? Is he saying I'm gonna focus on the things that I've done? Is he saying I'm gonna focus on, he says no. The main idea, the center set conviction is that we are gonna focus on what Christ has done through me, he says, to the Gentiles, the church that he has been called to to bring the good news to obedience. And notice how, he says by word and by deed. By the things that he says, but not just the things that he says, but the things that he does. They they go hand in hand, it's both sides of the same coin. And what does this look like here in the early church, you see by, I love this, the power of signs and wonders and the power of the Spirit of God. These are related by the power of the Spirit. The same God that raised Jesus from the dead, the same Spirit lives within us and is doing a work in the church for his kingdom. And he says this, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to, uh, I can't, uh, lyricism, I should learn that word, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. What's the gospel? Jesus what, friends? Changes everything. I'm running out of space. This is the gospel. Jesus changes everything. This is what Paul is writing about. This is why early on in chapter 1, verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power to save. The belief that, that, that all can be a part. If you believe in Christ, you can be changed. This is foundational to what we believe as a church. And it flies in face in the face of, uh, uh, of, of the modern self. It flies in the face of the modern self. And I believe as we look at this, as we, as we think about what does it mean for us to be a people that believe that Jesus changes everything, I believe that it really comes down, there's three elements that, 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 that relate to us today. Paul's talking about, he's saying, I'm changed. I believe that, the, that we have been changed and we're a part of a kingdom movement. We're a part of a special community. And then in the rest of this letter, as he's wrapping it up, it felt to me like there were really three elements of our communion. And the first of those elements is the communion of saints. The communion of saints. In the Apostles' Creed, we confess this. We say, I believe in the communion of saints. Now, maybe you're wondering, what is the communion of saints? Is this talking about like all the people in the drawings that have the little halos? Or is this talking about, you know, the... the, No, saints is a Christian word, a biblical word for the people of God. It's actually me and you. It's actually me and you. And Paul is saying, on this conviction, that we are a people who believe in the communion of of the people of God centered upon the conviction that we are called to be a a part of the communion of saints. This is what moves us and because Jesus moves us, this is one of the elements of how we are moved. This is one of the elements of how we are moved. Jared uh, L. Jones uh, got this awesome article uh, this week. He, he wrote about this in an, in an article about what, is, what does it look like to be the communion of saints in the digital age? What does it look like for us in the age of, of, of high individual, individualism, of, of isolation and being alone? He said this, he says, the church consists of human beings who are fully and completely known and laid bare before God. He doesn't care about our image or social clout. We stand together before the cross without our reputation or supposed virtue, meaning much of anything. Rich lawyers serve as ushers alongside middle school teachers, retired judges sing in the choir with stay-at-home parents, and ministers kneel and confess their sin along with everyone else. We are wholly known just as we are and through this knowledge we come to know others just as they are. The communion of saints. We see this here in verses 23 and 24. Says this, right out of this conviction Paul says now, but now since I no longer have any room for work in these regions and since I have longed for many years to come to you. Paul's writing to the church in Rome, and he's saying, I've longed to come to you. And he says, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. He's getting ready for another missionary journey. But look at what he says here. And to be helped on my journey there by you. And notice this. He says, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. Paul's writing to the church. And, and I, I, could, I could imagine Paul is the kind of guy that's like on to the next thing onto the next appointment onto the next task onto the next resolution but it's really interesting here he wants to, he understands there's this longing for him he's been through some stuff he's been through some difficulties and as he thinks about being with the church there's this longing for him i just love this he says after i have enjoyed your company for a while part of being a church that is that has the conviction that we believe that Jesus changes everything we need each other to continue to remind each other of this conviction because our tendency is towards isolation our tendency is towards social media our tendency is towards comparison our tendency is towards our own individualism, our own need to be, to, to win, our own, our tendency is not towards the communion of saints. But yet Paul here is speaking to the church counterculturally and saying, I long to be with you and enjoy your company. This is a part of, of being a church with this conviction. And we actually have a great opportunity right now that we're in the process of beginning our new small groups, our community groups. And, and, and this is a great opportunity for us to, to experience what it means to be in relationships and in a small group where, you're, where you go from sitting in a pew or sitting in rows and, and engaging to sitting in circles and talking about your life. And to enjoy company together. And I believe this is what Paul is calling you and me to. And listen, I have five kids. All playing sports, and it can be really easy for this element, for the busyness of all of our lives for us to neglect the communion of saints. For us to neglect what Paul says is so important, enjoying his time with his brothers and sisters in Christ enjoying his time together. And I would just encourage you as you think about this year, as you think about what moves you, is this element of being moved in your life? Do you have this element of the communion of saints where there are brothers and sisters in Christ who know you? There's so many ways you can do this. You could get in a small group, you could get a mentor, you could could start going to coffee with someone, but what is this as you think about Paul, the great Paul, he needed this. He needed people that he could share life with. Who are your people? As you think about the communion of saints, that's not just saying, I go to church. Paul doesn't, he's not saying, I long to go to church with you. He's not saying, I long to go and sing songs with you and to listen to sermons with you. This is a part of the communion of saints, but it's also highly relational. He says, I long to enjoy your company. I imagine this involves a meal together. I imagine this this takes place in homes, and there's hospitality involved, and it's messy, and you need babysitters, at least for me. Where is this element for you? As you think about what moves you, are you experienced the communion of saints? You're experiencing this thing. Every time when we say the Apostles' Creed, we say, I believe. And we say in the communion of saints. Do you believe it? And if you do believe it, do you value it? Second, not just the communion of saints. That's not just what a part of when we take communion, what what we're symbolizing. There's also what I would like to say is the communion of offerings. The communion of offerings. And we see this, here in verses 25 through 27. Look at what Paul says here. He says, at present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem. He just said, I long to be with you, but I'm, look at this, I'm bringing aid, there's money involved, to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution, money involved. For the poor, there's, there's, a, there's a need here. Among the saints, in the church, there's the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were, and look at this, they were pleased to do it. Remember what Pastor John said, God loves a cheerful giver. There's this, I'm so happy to give to the, to the, to the work that God is doing because I'm a part of this communion. I'm a part of, these, of this family of God. I'm pleased to do it. And indeed, they owe it to them. Wait a minute. You're telling me that because I'm a part of the communion of saints, I owe something? Oh boy. Nobody tells me what to do with my money. I earned that money, I worked that job, I did the overtime. But yet, Paul here says, That in the communion of saints, in this this belief that Jesus changes everything, and as things are changed, not only are we a part of something bigger than us, we give to something bigger than us, because we're a part of the communion. And so there's this sharing, look what he says, indeed they owe it, why do they owe it? For the Gentiles, the people that are new to Christ, they have come to share in their spiritual blessings. They've shared, what's the spiritual blessings? Anybody think, what do you think that is? I'll give you a hint, it's the gospel. They've shared in the belief that Jesus changes everything and because they've experienced this transformation, because they've been welcomed as Christ has welcomed you, they're like, I gotta give to this movement. And I'm not giving it and saying, hey, pat on the back, good job, go church. I'm giving it and I'm a part of it because I'm a part of the communion. He says, if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they also ought to be of service to them in material, that's again, blessings. This is, to me, a very explicit call in the church of why we take an offering. Why there is, as you think about being a part of the local church, an obligation to give to your family, to your community because you believe in this truth. This is what Paul is expressing here. There's this communion of saints, and there's this communion of offerings, and finally, third, there's this communion of struggles. There's this communion of struggles. In our day and age, as I said earlier, we love to be comfortable. But yet, when we think about communion, when we think about community, when we think about the church, when we think about the things that moves us, the thing that moves us, there's this call to join in struggle. This call in the church to join hear this, in suffering. This call in the church to join in each other's pain. This call in the church to join in each other's loss and grief. And this is so hard, I don't know about you, but I'm not a big fan of pain. I'm also not a big fan of Just constantly exposing myself for joining somebody else in theirs. That's kind of uncomfortable for me. I'm not a big fan of walking into a room when someone's going through something horrible. They just lost a loved one. They just had a cancer diagnosis. They just had something go wrong. And I don't know what to say. But yet Paul here is reminding us as a church because we believe that Jesus changes everything, we are called to bear with one another. It says in Galatians, to bear with one another. Look at what he says here in the text. Look at verses 30 and following. It says, I appeal to you, brothers. Notice he's talking like a family. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ, in the authority of King Jesus, and by the love of the Spirit, this word, strive together. This isn't like, hey, walk arm in arm down the yellow brick road and just be skipping along. This word strive together is like wrestle, struggle. It's an ongoing battle, and he's telling you and me that we are called to strive together, he says, with me in your prayers. Paul's saying, I need your prayers. He's saying, I'm having a hard time, and I need your prayers. Let's strive together together church this is so important right now all of us whether your life is going incredibly good or whether you're in the deepest pit or somewhere in between we are called to bear together think about our brother greg just had he's recovering from a stroke We've been praying for him through the prayer chain. I think about the the prayers that we have through the prayer chain. We are called not to run from that, but to strive with our brother Greg, to strive with the Hooker family, to strive with, with those in our community, in the community of saints that are suffering. We join in that. And that's uncomfortable, and it's good. So, this is the call as we think about what moves us to be a people that are striving to live as a part of the communion of saints, the communion of offerings, and the communion of sufferings. Now why, why would we do this? It's because of one thing, because of Jesus. You see, it's really easy to get so focused on we need to be in communion together, we need to do all this stuff together, and then we actually forget what we started with, which is what moves you? What moves you is that Jesus changes everything, is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God in his love looked down upon us, saw us in our sin and our misery, and what did he do? He came to us. He lived a perfect life. He died the sinner's death that we deserve to die. He resurrected and he reigns. And he invites us into the new way of the kingdom. So the one vital, rem- the one vital reminder for us in our communion is yes, we need to find these elements. We need to be embracing the communion of saints and asking yourself, who are the people that I'm enjoying company that are brothers and sisters in Christ? We need to be giving to the mission of the church and and sacrificially giving. We need to be joining in the suffering of our brothers and sisters in Christ and praying for each other. But the why is this, is that communion with Christ moves us. It's communion with Christ that moves you. That's why I love in a few moments we get to have communion together. And in communion together, we eat of the bread, we we drink of the cup as a remembrance of what Christ has done, that his body broke for us. And so when we eat that bread, we are reminded that because his body broke for us, I submit and I, I pledge my allegiance to the way of the broken body. But I also drink of the righteous blood that forgives me of my sins and has changed everything. And as we do this, you don't do it alone. You don't go home and be like, you know what? I'm gonna go have communion. I'm gonna go buy a a good loaf of bread. I'm gonna get a great cup of Welch's grape juice. I'm gonna sit down. I'm gonna have communion, and it's gonna be me and Jesus. It's meant to be something that is shared together. It's meant to be something that refreshes the soul and empowers and strengthens and recalibrates the believer. You see, we enjoy each other's company because Jesus enjoys ours. We give because he gave everything. And we share in our struggles because he shares in ours. Do you see this? Because he has changed everything, because this is our conviction, this is why we go after these elements of communion. And so I encourage you, I don't know what your week has looked like, I don't know what your year has looked like, I don't know what your year is going to look like, but I know this, we need Jesus. We need communion, you need communion, and we need to do it together. And so as you think about your life, let's embrace this together. Let's pray, Spirit of God, Pray, Lord, that right now we would join, Paul, that God, this word communion, it's meant to be something that where we taste and see your goodness, where we Taste and see your goodness. And God, we need your goodness. God, we are sinners in need of your grace. God, we are wanderers prone to wander, and you are the good Father who welcomes us home. Jesus, we are grateful that you in your wisdom gave us this meal to have together, called us into a communion that is way richer and deeper than the ways of this world, the ways of our modern self. And so God, I pray on this Lord's day that you would invigorate your people, that you would as we prepare to eat of your bread and drink of your cup, that we would taste and see that you are good. Have your way, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.